هاي تسلسل سفن انجينير بودكاست ناو مي عبد الرحمن عاطف ان دكتور غانم كشواني وي ار دوينغ ذا سفن انجينير بودكاست ذات وي كان توك اباوت ذا بينيفيت اباوت ذا سفن انجينير اند ذا فايف وي كان فايف ذا سفن انجينير وي كان دو ذا بيست وي كان دو اند اي هوب يو كان لايك ات ثانك يو ليتس اند جنتلمان Good morning, good evening, good afternoon from where we are. In this episode, we're going to speak with Dr. Nasser. Dr. Nasser is a junior track assistant professor at the Clinic Civil Engineering Department at Clemson University. His research interests cover the areas of autonomous, cognitive, and resilient infrastructure, computational intelligence, structure fire engineer, and retrofitting of aging structure. He is also involved in understanding the overall behavior of material structure extreme environment. He is currently serving as a committee member in four ECI committees, as well as ASC Fire Protection and BCI Fire Committee. He is co-author of the state of art of textbook title structure fire engineer. LinkedIn and website would be shown in the show notes. I hope you can like the episode. Wishing you the best and take care and thank you. So can you introduce uh, introduce more about yourself, Dr. Mohanad? Uh, thank you, Atif, and thank you, Ghani, for having me today on, on, on this show, on your show. It's, it's, a, it's a privilege and uh, an honor to be here. I've been following the area episodes, you know, once you started, and I can see that there is a lot of uh, positive trend, a lot of information. I, I enjoy listening to your podcast on a weekly basis. So a little bit about my, uh, myself. I'm uh, Mohanad Ziyad Nasser. I, w- I, was, uh, I had my undergrad in, uh, and master's from AUS, as you mentioned. And then I moved to Michigan State University for my PhD and my postdoc. And now I'm an assistant professor at Clemson University, where I do a lot of research when it comes to fire engineering, AI, and a little bit about you know space and, and, and different construction materials. This this basically sums sums my 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 bio. It's a very short bio, but I hope it uh, it answers your question. <laughs> it's fine, it's okay. We are we are not going about the bio, we have got what about the achievement? And you did a great achievement like publishing a book in fire safety, which we're gonna speak about it. So what is the reason for using your book about the structure and fire safety? Yeah, the book is it's it's interesting because we when I was a student when I was a PhD student with my, so my advisor is Professor Venkatador, he's a award authority when it comes to fire engineering and structural design. And uh, I joined his group in 2011 and I think we started to talk a little bit about the book sometime in 2013, 2014. Uh you know, I always wondered uh, what would it like if if he himself has published a book because you know of his knowledge he's been doing you know fire tests for for a very long time since mid nineties, and that was that was the initiation of the idea. And then by the time I was done with my PhD, we we like we we started to seriously talk about this. We reached out to some publishers, and we heard you know good news, and we started to write to write the book. I think in twenty seven. 2016, 17, and 18, around that time, we started to, to you know, mingle a little bit with it. We became much more serious in 18, 19, and the book was published in, in April last year. One of the main reasons we wanted to do the book is, uh, well, first of all, the f- fire engineer, I mean, structural fire engineering as a field, is it's a, you know, it's a niche area. It's a small, small research area. We don't have a lot of, uh, it's unfortunate, we don't have many practitioners or professors who practice in, in this field. And one of the main reasons was, you know, to improve this is to publish books in textbooks so students can learn from it, you know, professionals can read it and can can improve from there. And this was one of the main motivations for us. 
we also knew that uh, there were some some books existing. You know, for instance, Professor Buchanan's book is, uh, and Professor uh, Anthony's Abu book is uh, is, a, is one of the earliest book in, in this area. Uh, Professor Y C Wang is is one of the leading uh, books when it comes to structural affairs and union in steel structure. But as you know, Professor Kudur has a little bit more experiences when it comes to con- he did fire tests on concrete, steel, wood, masonry, I mean, different construction materials. And I was like the, you know, the little student following him around and trying to learn and grasp as much as I can. And I was lucky enough to witness and participate in, in, in many, many fire tests at Michigan State. So, you know, I get some experience from there. And, you know, most of most of the book is basically built upon like our tests, the one we have done ourselves and a little bit about uh, the tests that were done by other students from Professor Kudur's group. So it's a little bit, uh, it, it brings in a lot of hands-on experiences. And, you know, this is this was one of the things that, you know, pushed us towards because there is a lot of personal touch to, to the book. It's a little bit different because uh, like whenever you, like whenever I go back and, you know, read a few pages, like you, I can remember, okay, we've done this test in, you know, 2000, in 2011 or 2012. I know this student because he was my senior when I was, you know, doing my PhD. And so, uh, as you can tell, the, the the main motivation from this book was purely uh, for education. And of course, we had to keep, uh, Professor Kudur wanted to have a little bit uh, of a different venue. And every book we have, in every chapter, we actually talk a little bit about research, like what are our expectations from them in the future. And this was a little bit different from the other books because uh, usually when you write a, a textbook, you, you want it to have a pure mainly educational component to it so you can teach students about different methods different approaches to fire testing to fire design fire analysis and we thought you know it could be a little bit of merit to have a little bit more about research as well so if somebody is interested in concrete structures under fire they can and they ask question well okay what can i do for a master thesis or for a phd thesis or if i was like a practitioner in, or an engineer in the industry what are the things that require a lot of, you know, a little bit more advanced thought to think about that? So, Dr. Mohanan, you know, first of all, you know, um, for me, I was very uh, honored to uh, to attend your master thesis defense in IOS since we were colleagues. And I attend, by the way, the lecture of Professor Kaldur uh, when he came in IOS. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of questions, technical questions, because as you know, uh, Mohanan, that it, this topic is important for me. Uh, like. Uh, structural fire safety, as you mentioned, we don't have that much um, abundance in the literature about it, you know. And uh, many people, they talk about the spalling of concrete, the yielding of steel, the codes. I mean, we have sources of knowledge in the codes that we need more holistic codes. Which kind of codes I need to follow, you know. And we have some codes when it comes for the ACI about elevated temperature, but it's not that specific, you know, that, as you mentioned in your book. And uh, I went through your PhD thesis and there is this point that it should be more specific. And um, so, uh, uh, you know, the audience they will ask and the technical people, your book, a part of the kind of the talk about spalling of concrete and the yielding of the steel, what the most unique aspect that in the book that it highlights that another technical or journal paper is not highlighting in terms of design and thickness and the uh, and the, uh, the grade of the steel, it is all play a role in delaying the critical temperature before the yielding point. So, uh, and it is all part of passive protection. And uh, does your, as a structure, is only structure safety cover the passive protection? Can it play on the active protection of fire engineering? And if you can just, um, because I know that um, you're uh, important, uh, 
you highlight a lot about the AI that we can use in fire engineering. So I have a lot of technical uh, question um, that if you can just give us hints that what you came from this book, that what the new things that we can apply it. And as you know that um, I am from Sharjah and the fire engineering is one of the main challenges that we are facing in this area. Yeah, thank you, Ghana, for these questions. So, the, the I mean, I totally agree. We don't really have enough, uh, you know, people in parties, I mean, within our field. It, it, it's a very niche area. And, and one of the things that, you know, we keep always thinking about is we would like to have, you know, more more within this field, like if you compare us to the earthquake uh, society or like the wind society, we, we become you know a, a very very small component from you know, from there. And of course, if you have limited number of, of people involved in a, in, a, in an area, your research output will also be a little limited because you don't have enough man you know person or people power to to publish and, and do tests and stuff. When it comes when it comes to concrete spalling or uh, or basically whatever provisions we have in codes, it's, I agree, you know, much of it is, is very outdated and, and, and it's because of, you know, the initial the initial thought we were, that we were, you know, we agree upon. One of the issues that, you know, always arises with, with concrete structures is, is spalling. And, you know, there is many, many theories about different spallings, about the, you know, why spalling happens. And if you go back to the literature and you start to compare different different studies or different you know, documents, you see that you know these this research group did this this and this and witnessed the spawning, and another research group did almost the identical you know steps, but they didn't have any spawning in, in their specimen. And this tells you something very interesting, and in which is there is a big randomness to the phenomenon of spawning. I think we like now we kind of know that. A lot of the mechanisms that happens, whether if it's thermal stresses, moisture travel, vapor, you know, stressing, and all those different theories, but uh, the randomness problem becomes it's going to have to come down. At least when I think about it, it has to come down from the sort of the pure material perspective. Like for instance, this mixed design has this, you know, this much aggregates, admixtures, water, and once you mix everything together and hardens, it hardens. There has to be something going on within that that phenomenon. Plus, plus the other aspects, which is in you know, the loading, in you know, the loading rate, loading percentages, uh, the geometry of the structure. Remember the type of fire that we have. Is it going to be like a standard fire design? Where do you have a cooling phase? You don't have a cooling phase. So all these questions together brings us now to an interesting question, which is: if we have been studying this phenomenon for so long. How come we haven't used, or how come that we haven't, you know, I, I would say, like, get it by now? What are the limitations? And the limitations, at least, you know, when I think about it, it, it has to come from the way that whether we conduct tests, like, for instance, and I mean, I'm sure, you know, whenever we talk about fire tests, you have to have specific facilities, you have to have specific furnaces, you have to have expertise that know how to manufacture and test under fire conditions. And these are very, very expensive. Access to them is, is very limited. So plus, which is the major issue is like the instrumentations and equipment that we use, the results they give us back or the findings, the readings that give us back under 700 degrees or 800 degrees centigrade, there is a big, you know, a big gap when it comes to reliability and, you know, and, and, and those things together. So sometimes when we do tests, you know, we always hope for the best. We always hope that we're going to get the, the, you know, the most out of it, but 
in reality, all those measurements and, and data points comes with a big question mark. You know, you have 10 to 20% plus or minus. So we kind of, you know, know, but in reality, we don't really know, fully know what, what, what's going on there. So all these challenges brings us to a new, a new uh, I would say, like method of thought, for instance. Uh, perhaps, you know, and this was a question we had, you know, a long time ago. Uh, you know, doing experimentation is good. Doing FE simulations is, is great. But perhaps it's time to try something else, something something different. And this is where we come up with the AI component. And now, for instance, we're trying to ask questions. Okay, what if we have we have all this testing testing data points? What's going to happen if we analyze them using AI in a different algorithm? Let's just run the algorithms and see what insights we're going to we're going to grasp, we're going to get from. Because we have been doing the same traditional way of thinking for so long. You do what you do a bunch of tests. You have data points, you throw up a best fit line curve, and now you have a function or you have like an empirical empirical equation that you can apply, which is good because it's helpful. But what's going to happen now if we try to use like, you know, AI to try to mingle in these things? Like, for instance, now AI is, is doing phenomenal stuff in, in medicine. It can, it's doing great in, in space. It's doing great in, uh, I don't know, like, you have now algorithms that can write softwares, you know, for you. So what's going to happen if we apply the same methods to analyze fire data, are we going to be able to get perhaps new insights that we haven't seen before? Is it going to help us to understand complex phenomena, for instance, spawning? You know, what's what's going to happen there? So this brings in the AI component, and you know, we're trying to play with it. We're trying to figure out how we can, you know, I would say like properly apply it because one of the hurdles we're, we're facing. You know, we don't really teach AI in, in, in civil engineering, let alone in fire engineering. So you have students who graduate, become master and PhD students without proper yeah, training in AI. So it becomes a little bit of a challenge because now you have to learn AI, you have to learn how to code. And then from there, you have to go and start to use it to apply to your problem. The goal is always to not just apply algorithms as is, because as you know, algorithms are properly made by computer scientists, but perhaps we can develop our own algorithms that are specific for fire engineering problems or for structural fire engineering problems. Uh, so Mohanan, this is my question. You know, you mentioned about the numerical models. So usually people, as you said, they have the empirical models and they use it and they're very happy and satisfied with it. And then they do the experimental, they do a finite element, then they have somehow an envelope that gives them the protection. So you are saying that by having this AI and the algorithm and the neural network they are using, now we may have better precision, uh, better prediction, and in the future, what the build up, it will make massive difference between using regular numerical models and using AI. I mean, if you could just elaborate that for the audience, please. Yeah, this is this is a brilliant, brilliant question. So what, whenever you're trying to do an experiment, especially when it comes to fire, you have to spend a lot of money. It takes a lot of time. You can't really do many experiments. You know, you probably can do like four or five tests, you know, if, if you get lucky. So, and this is why we do FE simulation because we, we validate against the experiments and now you have a tool that can you can test many, many parameters and hopefully you can come up with maybe 20, 30 more data points that you couldn't have got there without doing an experimentation. So FEs are good. Now, if you think about FE, one of the things that always comes to mind is it takes time. 
to develop unparalleled software, I mean, an FE model, you have to have a software. First of all, you have to know how to use it. You have to have the licensing to use the software. And you have to have like a good working station that gives that solves the problem in a reasonable amount of time. And this is why most simulations are done on beams, on singular elements, beams, columns, sometimes frames. Once you go to structural systems, it takes the time would exponentially grow. It goes to days or weeks. So although it's 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 doable, but it just it, it takes time to get stuff. And plus, you you have and and this is my my argument with 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 FE. For every uh, the software will always give you results based on the assumptions you use. Like for instance, based on the inputs you applied. In FE, we have to assume certain material behavior. We have to assume certain degrees of freedom behavior. So whatever output you have would it's it, although it is physically sound but it's still limited with the assumptions that we have to use. And we have to use assumptions because this is what how matrices are So This is how partial differential equations are so. which is not, we're not saying it's bad. We're just saying this is the thing that we have to tackle whenever we have a software, I mean, an FE software. Now to overcome all these things, perhaps using, perhaps, and this is just, just an idea. I mean, we're still you know, playing with this. Perhaps using AI would help us not just, not only to solve the fire phenomena in a very, very fast manner because AI is, is super quick. But we don't also have to use a lot of, like we don't have to have so many layers of assumptions and so many layers of limitations within 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 our solution. We don't have to worry about element type. We don't have to worry about mesh sensitivity. We don't have to worry about uh, convergence criteria. We don't have to worry about uh, the, what kind of degrees of freedom we have to use. Is gonna is concrete? Is this element allow concrete to crack or does it allow it to crush? We don't. We, these things are not there because what AI does, at least from from our research, we're trying to use realistic data points or real data points to come to mesh the relationship between the inputs to give us something valuable, which is the output. Now to get an output, you have to have an experiment or you have to have an FE model. And this is where the time becomes you know, very, very large. If you're using AI, everything is done within seconds. And actually one of the recent, my, my recent uh, algorithms, I think we can solve 2000 beam in 10 seconds. It gives us fire resistance, it gives us deformation time, it gives us you know, all those things very, very quickly. So instead of instead of spending maybe 48 hours in an industry to try to solve a beam or try to validate a beam, now you can do 2,500 in 10 seconds. So the time is much, much smaller. We know the algorithms work because we have good validation. We're still following the same mentality, validate against test and then take it from there. Now, what we don't know, because everything has positives and negatives, right? Uh, there is a lot of there's a lot of questions when it comes to applying AI to to scenarios outside the training data, for instance. If you're testing all your algorithms on beams with certain height and depth, what's gonna is it still gonna give you results that are valuable for beams with different geometry, with different material property? So these are some of the questions that we have to answer before we fully embrace AI. And this is why, for instance doing research in this area becomes very interesting and actually having to say this out loud now in a very nice podcast like yours would help split, you know, spread the word because I don't have to write about this in the research paper and just hope for the public to read it. Now perhaps they can listen to it and it will engage them a little bit more. Thank you about that. I really appreciate, like, appreciate about what you said about podcast. We did nothing. We are trying just to spread the 7G to the world. But I have a small question. Like, do you think that data 
from the AI will be more reliable than the physical test or the, we have to use the combination between them. Yeah, this is, this is a tough one. Uh, when it comes to uh, fire, I mean, if we talk about fire in general, if we do a test, and this is just you know, my, my own experiences, uh, you can test two identical specimens and it would be very, very odd if you get the same results from both tests to be identical. It, it would, you know, people ask questions. You're always going to have some, you know, some variability. So when it comes to AI, can we really test the data that is the data reliable? Well, I think in a way it is reliable as long as you have, as long as you use like a very proper way of applying AI. It's just like saying is the data you get from an FE simulation reliable? Well, if you use proper material models, if you use a proper simulation methodology, then you use a proper validation, then we're expecting the, the data to be reliable as well. Same thing with AI. Now, you have to follow a certain procedure to get to there, and hopefully in the future, we will be able to perfect this procedure and will be much more confident in AI than you know, what we have now, because it's a big question. And whenever you apply, you take, because your question is, is very interesting because when we design buildings, we basically, it's, it's, for the, it's for the public, right? So we have to make sure that we fully trust our instincts and design because we want the public to be safe at all times. This is why building codes are, you know, most of the time are conservative a little bit. This is why we have load factors, 1.2 dead, 1.6 live. We have reduction factors for material, 0.9 for moment, 0.75 for shear, because we want to be very, very conservative, right? You want to be absolutely sure. Uh, so when it comes to reliability, a lot of work has to be done for sure at this stage. Uh, the answer, I mean, at least my my intuition would be, I think we can get there, but we still have to get time to get there. And uh, actually, Ghanim, I I might uh, and both other, this might sound uh, this might sound familiar. I'm 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 thinking now, of the first time people heard about FE simulation. I don't know when it was, but maybe they also had similar questions to the question you're asking me now because you know. At that time, everybody, like we were very, very confident with mathematical derivation and, and experimentation. And then all of a sudden you have a new methodology that you can apply, right? And, and, and see what you, what, 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 what you can get out of there. I'm not saying AI is new. I'm not saying we're bringing AI for the first time, but we're saying for our field, it's not something that we used very, very often. But what do you think about it? Like, can we see in the future, like more entrepreneur and startup and fire engineer and can using AI to tackle this question like the fire and fire safety at general or no? 100%, 100%. If, if you start, like if we go back and look at the entrepreneurship and startups in, in construction, you would see that it usually starts with things that are, that needs automation. Like for instance, surveying, you know, you can, you can, you can, you can fly drones, you can do, you can survey now very, very easily. And these small, these things that require automation in a way, it's it's interesting because the design of structures, in a way, it's a, it's it's a it's a steps you know step one, step two. It's it's a process, and if you have a process that's well done, you can potentially automate it. And for this, you could use like a software, like for instance, SAP, ETAPS, all these software. They automate the solving procedure, right? That's what they do. In the same way, you can also use AI. And if you use AI, you don't really have to have a big capital to invest. You have to have like a good, you know, server, and I mean, you have to have some equipment. You don't have to have like um, machines and tools and equipment to buy. 
all what you need is, is a good background in, in computer science and perhaps a little bit uh, of resources to start to, to go, you know, get some cloud services. And it, I believe it, it would because what we're like, at least what my research group is doing now, we're trying to develop these algorithms and we want to send it to the industry to test. And hopefully once we get some feedbacks, we will be able to publish these, you know, algorithms for the industry to use. And we're not looking to get, you know, to, to get any monetary support or, or you know, and stuff. We're just trying to accelerate the use of AI by, by, by having it tested in, in, you know, in design offices. And this would be the best thing for us because what's better to test something than the people who actually use it all the time. And once we have these algorithms out there and, you know, and done, perhaps it would be a nice way to open it up for uh, startups. Now, I imagine, I don't see why we won't have a fire engineering startup that uses AI for fire design or like, for instance, for spotting detection, right? Now, we don't have anything that can tell us if a column is going to spot or not or if a beam is going to spot or not other than small material tests. But the more data you collect, and this is what's going to be the future. The future is going to be like a war of data. <laughs> Everybody's going to be trying to collect data points and databases, and, and this is why data is money, right? So once you have that, and once you have the ability to develop like intelligent algorithms that can actually understand the fire phenomenon itself, it would be limitless. You should have startups, you should have entrepreneurs, and I hope to see this you know, in, in the very, very near future. Uh, Mohanan, you just remind me with the famous cover page of The Economist where they say that that is the new oil. I mean, I remember when, once it comes, it was, it was so famous. I know. So now Atafi asked a very important question. He said about the startup. So what it comes for uh, in my mind, I said, Ghan, look, this is how it will look in the future. We have different fire engineering consult- uh, consultancy and each one, they said, we have the best AI simulation. Why? Because our algorithm is better than this algorithm. We have our algorithm contain the secret sauce. And as you said, data. It is so our, we train our algorithm better than that algorithm. We have better machine learning. We have better uh, maybe cybersecurity. We, uh, we may have better uh, uh, metadata. I mean, you, it's a totally different aspect now, you know? So now it is a new area, not only in uh, fire engineering, in the civil engineering, general structural engineering, that... AI simulation for fire engineering. I mean, we barely have it in the structure. You know, now we talk about fire engineering. So I think this is the future is coming that how before now, if we go currently now to the fire consultancy, everybody said our FE models and uh, software is the best, you know, but in the future said no, our algorithm. And then as you said about the data and my question, should they use the real time data? Because many people, they talk about real time data, real time data, digital twin, we get the real time data or it is all in the past or it's combination. I mean, all these questions coming in my mind, you know, what do you think Mohanad about it? Yeah, I mean, my the preference, at least, uh, and this is my my personal my personal preference. The preference is always to use experimental data points because this is the this is the I mean, ex- experiments are almost like the holy grail of, of of engineering, right? You have to have an experiment, and then from there you get the data points. But look, as 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 we started this talk, we we have limited data when it comes to when it comes to fire engineering. So perhaps there is some merit there to use numerical data, you know, numerical data or augmented data points. The question is going to be, well, how are you going to merge both together or are you going to develop algorithms based on realistic data points or like based on numerical data points? I think the answer would be we can do we can do both. Well, I mean, what, what, you know, there, there is no limitations, right? You can you can run, you can teach um, 
an algorithm to understand the physical phenomena from, from tests. And then once you test it and do like, you know, a sensitivity analysis, you might see the algorithm falling a little bit on some on some range of data points, right? Because we don't have tests to cover all ranges. We don't have like tests to cover small beams, short beams, large beams, you know, all those things. Maybe for those data, data ranges, you can supplement your database with numerical simulation, for instance, right? Or perhaps you can do an extra test to figure out what, what to do. As you can see, doing tests, it costs a lot of money, especially in fire. So you want to have to have like somebody who's uh, like some investments or perhaps some large firms that are willing to step down and, and apply and, and use some resources. What I always think about is this. If I had like a fire, uh, I mean, if I had a design firm that's 30 years old, right? Imagine the amount of data I have there just from design. <laughs> so in a way that is already existing, but it's proprietary data. You know, every firm has its own data to, to use. So perhaps we can start from there and then see where things will take us. And perhaps if there is limitation, we can always supplement that with additional tests or perhaps additional uh, numerically obtained data points. Uh, Mohanad, just a question. When do you think that we have an official code that is say it is a code for AI simulation for structure safety uh, fire engineering? Do you think this code will come soon that for it's just focus in AI simulation for uh, safety structure fire engineer? Do you think this code will come? Because most of our fire safety sometimes is performance design, not perspective design. So do you think AI simulation for fire safety, these codes are coming in the way? Uh, if, if we're talking about building codes, unfortunately, I don't see it happening anytime soon because we still don't have a proper code for FE simulation you know, at ambient condition. <laughs> so if, if we don't have that, it's going to be hard. But I, I know in the future it should happen. And, you know, the thing is, when it comes to building codes, you have, to, I mean, as, as we all know, we have to be absolutely sure that we know what we're doing. We have tried this for so many years and we're very, very comfortable and confident with it. And most importantly, we know that the industry needs this code. Now, so far, I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. I know some industry, you know, firms, they reach out to me. They're doing something with AI, but it's not mainstream yet. So I'm guessing maybe in the next five to 10 years, we should be something going on there. I know ACI has a committee when it comes to FE simulation of concrete structure. I think ACI 447, if I'm not mistaken. And they are trying to have like a, something very, very solid when it comes to developing codes and, and standards. So that's a very, very positive way. But I also know that it's been taking some time to get there. And I'm expecting the same thing to happen when it comes to AI. I think a little bit, maybe even more, just for the fact that at least in engineering, we learn differential equations, partial differential equations. We take, we take metrics analysis. We don't do anything now with AI. And because our expertise is very, very minimal, I'm expecting there is going to be a lot of questions being asked. So do you think, do you think like this AI, a new type of technology like digital twin, entrepreneurship, shall be taught from undergraduate level in order to tackle this problem and start improving these courses or no? Uh, it's, it, this is a great question. Uh, when we talk about undergrads, the, I mean, the, one of the things we need to think about always is like accreditation, for instance, ABIT. And for ABIT to get an ABIT, you have to satisfy a certain number of you know, hours and credits and stuff. So adding new courses used to a curriculum is, is usually hard, especially in undergrads, because you're limited with the number of hours. You don't want to have like six hours or so for somebody to graduate in engineering. 
But I really think that these concepts can be applied within existing courses. Like we all have a course, engineering ethics, for instance. We all have a course when it comes to uh, mechanics of structures. We can like have short models, maybe like one or two lectures every semester to talk about entrepreneurship, to talk about sim uh, startups. We can also have like uh, maybe a four a four, four seminar or semester where we bring in speakers to talk about entrepreneurship, where we bring in like somebody like you, for instance, who has been doing this podcast for several engineers to come to talk about your experiences. And this would have a lot of merit. And then perhaps this would be like maybe a one credit per per year for undergrads. It, it, it wouldn't take, you know, it shouldn't take much time, much effort to, to deal with it, but it gives them at least an idea about what, what the future could be, what are the possibilities out there. Because as you know, I mean, at least when we graduated, we'd never heard about podcasts and entrepreneurship at that time. But now, I mean, look at you, you're leading the way and hopefully we, everybody else will get to learn from your footsteps. Really, thank you. I appreciate for that, regarding that, regard. We did, we're trying just to spread the visions of the, the podcast to the world. We are trying that, what we are trying to do. But what about, for example, some people taking a double measure, for example, because, for example, I saw in Canada, for example, some university, they are teaching civil and computer engineering or computer science. So you can have a technology of AI and civil engineering together. So you can, engineer can have a design code or technical skill about civil engineering and coding and do the algorithm at the same time. Because to be honest, I saw that in some universities. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great. Like even even my, I mean, I, I wish I did that. <laughs> I really wish I did that. But for now, like at least in my academic uh, affiliation, I ha like I'm part of the civil engineering department and the AI, you know, uh, institute in, in Clemson. So it it although you know I'm not doing double double majors, but because of the way we're, we're doing research, we're, we're affiliated with that. I really think the double major is a good is a great idea. But uh, I mean, when I, I mean, personally, I don't know the numbers. Like, I don't know how many students in a university are double majoring, especially, you know, in general or specifically when it comes to civil engineering plus something else. Uh, it would be great if we have, if we, if, you know, if it's, if it's advertised. And it would also be great if we can do, like, for instance, when you mentioned something about having the courses. Now I'm just thinking out loud, perhaps we can have, uh, like, maybe a, a short summer course every year within four years you graduate with civil engineering plus like a degree a minor in ai it doesn't have to be like a full major it could be like a minor that you, that students can do in the you know in the later two summers or like throughout four summers and this is you know it's it's short and sweet it doesn't take much of their time and it's also helpful when it comes to to ai and and, and civil engineering or fire engineering Mohand, um, I just have, you know, because fire engineering is such an interesting topic for me, human behavior, how we should consider the AI simulation and human factor, I, I was thinking about it, you know, do we need psychologists in this aspect or not? And second, for people, you know, you are PE, and there is a specific PE for fire engineering or not, you know, for the audience in general? So these are my two questions. Uh, so when it comes to evacuation, of course, we... Uh, you know, social sciences is, is, is a major component. So we have to have somebody from there for sure, because uh, what's interesting about fire is usually when you like for, if you look at studies that were done on pedestrians, the way they walk in cities and they choose locations, usually it's done at when the persons feel, you know, comfortable, they're not stressed out. Everything is, is, is nice. They're going for a walk to have, you know, to have something to eat and drink. Uh, under fire, there is a big stress component on, on, on the human, you know, 
psyche and and because you're, you're very very stressed you're trying to save your life perhaps your you know your family's life perhaps we you know behave differently there is a lot of things that's going on so we have to have that component ready first before we can apply it to ai because at the end of the day ai is, is, is just algorithm trying to finalize a phenomenon when it comes to your second question Ghanim, about the pe I know we have uh, FPE, Fire Protection Engineer, so you can potentially get your PE in Fire Protection Engineer. But for now in the States, I'm a PE, I'm not an FPE. An FPE. And actually I get my PE in, in structures, but once, as you know, once you have a PE, it doesn't really matter that much what field did you take it into because a PE is a PE. Uh, if you want to specialize in, in fire, like for instance, design of sprinklers, a lot of it, combustion, uh, active systems, you might want to go for an FBE because I think building codes or stands are either has changed or now they're going to be requesting that whoever is going to be in charge of the fire component has to have an FBE degree. But I'm not 100% certain on this. I think uh, you know, if, if I misspoke, I, I apologize. So any final thoughts from you, Dr. Mohannad? Uh, final thoughts... I mean, I know if, 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 you know, if you are a student listening to this, to this show... I, I just would, you know, would like to reach out and, and see, uh, you know, we have many opportunities, you know, we, we, we mainly come, like usually civil engineers or either structural engineers or, or everything else, right? So if you, if you choose to go through the structural engineering routes, you know, we have a lot of earthquake winds, you might want to give like fire just uh, a little bit and see what's going on there. It, it might be interesting to you. We don't have, uh, we don't actually have a lot of, female engineers in fire. So I we, we, I hope one day, you know, we're going to have a lot of uh, diversity. I hope we have a lot of equity when it comes to structural fire engineering or engineering in general. I would like them to know that uh, times are different now. So there is a lot of room for entrepreneurship. There is a lot of room to go beyond the traditional or standard, you know, way of thinking about engineering. So always think, ask questions, uh, listen to podcasts. It doesn't hurt to reach out to people. Uh, AI is gonna is gonna come sooner or later in the construction industry, so we might as well just embrace it now and work for it slowly, rather than we have to have to use it and we have a short amount of time to accommodate that. So we know we, we need we need a lot of people that do that do research and education on this component for sure. And finally, I would like to thank both of you for having me on this show. I really appreciate your time and I wish you all the best. I know it's been some years since the last time we you know we met in person. But hopefully this will change out soon, and we'll get to we'll get to visit AUS maybe one day. That would be that would be fun to fun to go back. Yeah, to. Thanks a lot, Mohanad, for accepting um, our invitation. And uh, let me quote your um, what you say in your thesis. Uh, we we dedicate this episode to the all innocent soul that we lost them in the fire uh, incident, and it was such a pleasure. And hopefully to see you more in our show again and again. Out of the mics is yours. Really, thank you for that. I really appreciate it for that. What you said, and really, and really, God. like, thank really, thank you, you for that. Everyone. Like, for for being a guest for us, and wish you the best, and we wish you really to be improved in your life, and to show the message to the people and to the world. Thank you. Really appreciate. It. Take care. Wow, it was a great topic about fire safety and AI, and how we can commercialize it in the market. Do you like this kind of content, guys? Do you like to talk about further topic about these things? What do you think guys? Please comment and 
make a review in Apple and Podchaser podcast platform. This will help us a lot to understand. And in addition, you can talk with us. We have in the website, we have in the speak pipe, we have in different platform. You can talk and speak it off so we can have comment and feedback. Thank you and wishing you the best. Take care. Bye. To wrap it after this episode, hopefully you're going to like it. I wish you the rest of your work and good luck and see you in another episode. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. See you guys. Have a good day and good night. Thank you. Good night.